0: Specialist showcase has been this begun. was terrible that just sounds like a dumb and i'm sure there's plenty of podcasts out there so funny the following is
1: a fan off production
0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Eerie International, episode 388. I am Andy from Germany. And I'm Dave from the UK. And David from the US is not with us today, so it's another European Takeover edition, as if you hadn't enough of those last year. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it will happen from time and time again. Uh, At least there's no European movie today we are talking about the conjuring or is it just conjuring or is it the conjuring the conjuring the the devil made me do it Mm. so uh it's officially not called the conjuring 3 it's the conjuring the devil made me do it which i find interesting we will talk about that maybe who knows maybe we forget anyway that's the movie that we are doing today of course uh we are eerie international and you can find us as david mentioned on some of the social media platforms and you can find us there. We don't have to do the work for you, but I will tell you anyway, Erie International on Facebook and Instagram, Erie I-N-T on Twix, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. And our email address is International at gmail.com. We do have an email to read and I do have another message that was sent privately to me, but I will at least... Read parts of it anyway, uh, but before we get to that, Dave, is there anything that we need to mention or talk about before we get to our messages?
1: Uh, no, no <laughs> I don't think so. I I, I will apologise in case um in the uh, the edit I can't remember where all of the dog barks are. Um, I've got Poppy with me today, and she's very angry at people walking past the window. So if any barks uh, manage to slip through the edit then uh, apologies for that, everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, she's an angry little puppy. What can I say?
0: I have not listened to an episode of Eerie International in a long time. I only listened to the episodes that I'm not on. I was not aware that you're doing that much work. I don't normally. Barks. I don't normally. <laughs> okay. um, it's
1: just that uh, today she is uh, an angry little thing and... Uh, I can't bring it to myself. I mean, it's two degrees Celsius outside. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit because I think Fahrenheit is a stupid measurement.
0: Again, Americans, you know how to use Google.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's, it's, okay, right, here we go. We're, we're off on a tangent already. Tangent boys on top. Um for me you really fell in love with that name right last yeah week? i have i have and we will be doing a spin-off podcast called the tangent boys and i don't care if you don't want to um, oh, I, i'm happy to do it <laughs> um so for me fahrenheit is stupid and centigrade is the only way to go and that's not just jingoistic, uh nationalistic bollocks i'm talking here listen water freezes at zero and it boils at 100 what's not to understand <laughs> it's it's so easy and it makes so much sense. Exactly. I mean, Kelvin is the king, obviously. I mean, um, zero, it's
0: cold. A hundred, it's too hot.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I I did hear somebody referring to how uh, Fahrenheit works, and they said, "Look, um, Fahrenheit is is perfect because zero Fahrenheit is too cold, and anything above a hundred Fahrenheit is too hot." <laughs> they were like that is the scientific reason for it and i was like no come on really no i don't think so <laughs> let's base it on an element shall we um anyway no um yeah so it's 2 degrees outside which means um i can't bring myself to put her in the kitchen because the kitchen is a cold place during the winter time um uh, so yeah she's in here with me nice You're and toasty just not nice baking and- enough Not baking enough, no, but there is an energy crisis on Andy, and um, it turns out that uh, if you want to bake your own cakes, you have to actually take out a second mortgage to pay for the rates that you're uh, going to be uh, putting yourself under. So there we go. Um, She's in with me. She's barking a bit, but she's not too bad, no. And Um, I think our listeners are happy to hear a puppy in the background. It's nice to hear some clacking around. It takes me back to um, old school Erie when uh, Frankie was still with us and he used to clack around. He was silent. He wouldn't bark at things very often, but he would clack around because his nails were always far too long. (laughs) It's the problem with being a terrier. They grow at a tremendous rate. Oh, look, a doorbell. Fantastic. (laughs) We're we're getting them all in today, everybody. I'll be back in a second. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So, yeah, you get... Everything uh,
0: that a British household has to offer on a Sunday, deliveries, or maybe it, maybe it's the neighbor, or maybe one of those people passing by the window. I have no idea. Maybe we'll ask Dave who disturbs this sacred recording that we have going on here. Um, I don't know, probably just a delivery. So, seems like Dave is about to come back well i guess we know what i'm going to
1: be doing for the rest of today so, editing i talked through this bit so you don't even have
0: to edit it <laughs> oh out. what a wonderful
1: <laughs> wonderful lad you are andy thank you okay well okay i, I guess everybody gets to keep that bit then um <laughs> behind the curtain ignore the man behind the curtain he knows not what he does um but yeah so uh, i think that's everything um shall we Shall we move on to the messages so that I, we can stop me from wittering on Let's do that. <laughs> it seems like um,
0: our our episode last week on Malignant, um, many people, or more people than usual, were excited about that episode. It seems like many people are excited about that movie, and, and of course, that movie being so... Um, Different, controversial, <laughs> crazy. Um, uh, yeah, it, it is a people. Uh, it is a movie that that people um, like to talk about. It seems so. We did get one email from our friend. Leo and he says, Hey guys, hope everyone is well. I've really enjoyed the last few episodes, but I really, really enjoyed the Malignant episode. That movie was a fantastic watch and a great party movie. I wanted to write in to talk about some horror stuff that has really moved me recently. So, mm. first, Dark Harvest 2023 a surprisingly brutal halloween movie every year a small 1950s town does a sacrifice where the boys of the town have to hunt down a monster called sawtooth jack this movie was surprisingly brutal with teens getting killed etc it's almost a parody with how 1950s movie uh, how 1950s this movie is cool creature cool twists i really enjoyed it um quick interlude here um we but not me, did an episode on the book. We did? I think like two years ago or so, in the time for, for Halloween. Um I fell sick, so I wasn't able to finish the book and record with you guys, but there is an episode that Dave and David did on on the book Dark Harvest. And I I I think it was two maybe it's three years ago.
1: But I <laughs> It was a while, and my concept of time has suffered badly in the last few years. (laughs) Of course. It did for all of (laughs) us. But we we did definitely cover it. I was sitting there thinking, Dark Harvest, that sounds familiar. And then you mentioned Sawtooth Jack, and I was like, oh, that is very familiar. I know exactly why. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I had no idea um, that they were doing an, an adaptation, or I had forgotten, I don't know. And then suddenly this year I saw people talk about the movie, and I, I, don't even know where it came out. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing on some streaming service in the U.S. Um, and yeah, people really seem to like the the movie. Um, people are saying this is probably one that will go into the annual Halloween rotation for people. Um, I I need to get back to that book at some point uh, and and read it entirely. I, I I had started reading it and then, as I said, I felt sick. And and I never never uh read the rest of it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, do you want to say something?
1: Yeah, um it, it appears that it is available over here on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it was a straight to Prime thing here or if it did have a release in cinemas. Just gonna have a quick look. Um
0: I don't think it went to
1: cinemas. No, I don't I... see a um a box office figure here, which normally is a good indicator. Um it was distributed by MGM through United Artists. Looky
0: here, it is actually on Prime in Germany too.
1: Good. I grief. never looked it up and I was
0: not uh thinking that it would be available in Germany, but I I never checked. But it is uh, it is a Prime movie <laughs> in Germany too. So we actually thought about maybe getting a month of Prime soon again because we we are not um actually subscribers to amazon prime Hmm. but i just put it on the list and once we get another month of prime we might watch it maybe we should do an episode on it yeah (laughs) all right let's get back to elio's email his next topic alan wake remaster for the ps5 so i've heard of this franchise for a long time but never checked it out Remedy is a great studio who have come out with some really good games. This game had a twist of Stephen King, Twin Peaks, and everything we love. Mm -hmm. The main game itself was totally fine, a little slow, but a fun story with a character you love to hate. The extra missions that came out with the remaster, however, are amazing. Deep cerebral psychological storytelling that has you thinking. I really enjoyed the game. Keep up the good work, fellas, and can't wait to listen to the episode Elio. thank you you are uh, between the two of us (laughs) you are the
1: video video game guy guy. (laughs) Um, uh, any thoughts on Alan Wake? Um, I do own Alan Wake but it's one of those games that I've yet to get around to because I've got a mountain of shame that would put Everest to shame actually Um, (laughs) so it is on my list to do Um, what I find very interesting is um, they released Alan Wake 2 recently and I've seen a few videos of it, and it looks really fascinating. Um, the way that they've put that game together, it, like it seems as though it blends live action elements with video game elements, which is not something that we've seen happen on the regular for many years. Not since probably the uh, the Sega CD or you know uh, you know games like um, Night Trap and, and, and things like that. So. Looks very, very interesting, the second one. I'm aware of the first one and the idea behind it. Um, Survival horror, um, having a a torch and a a gun, um, and uh, having to be careful about the amount of uh, ammunition you use because you're not necessarily going to find it everywhere. So it has that little bit of a... I I could be mistaken here, but it seems to me to have a little bit of uh, a, a Resident Evil vibe to it. Uh but yeah, looks um it, it does look like a good game. I, I should have played it. It's uh my fault that I've not. Uh <laughs> but uh one of these days I'll I'll get around to it. Certainly uh, testimonials like that one from Elio uh do it no harm in, in that regard. So all right.
0: So as I said, I got another message that I will partially read to you and I will take Um, that message to segue us into the part where we talk about things that we took in this week or that happened this week, Mm horror-wise. and uh, Because I have nothing except for this message. (laughs) 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 Um, (coughs) But um, I got this message from my friend Kenny from Canada, um, who hit me up because he released two new songs this week. Under his uh, musical project called Corpse Fighter, so a few years ago, um, I remember he this name. <laughs> recorded a bunch of songs based on on horror movies and released them all, uh, and yeah, called the project Corpse Fighter. <clears throat> and he just this week released two new songs, and and yeah, he he texted me before he officially released them, to uh, have me listen to them, um, gave me the chance to to listen to them early uh and so that's the one thing that i want to um steer people towards go check out corpse fighter you can find his stuff on on bandcamp on youtube <clears throat> um so anywhere probably you listen to music uh, i don't listen to music on streaming services so i have no idea if, if these songs are on spotify or i don't know bandcamp and youtube that's what i know those songs are definitely there so corpse fighter um great songs great punk rock metal-infused songs um, about horror movies, stuff we like, so um, definitely worth listening to. And in that message, he included uh, a, a comment about our episode from last week, <clears throat> and he says, by the way, love the Malignant episode, but I think you guys are crazy to say it's not a perfect horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it hasn't got Dan Stevens in it for a start, so... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah. I I mean if you listen to the episode you know we all love the movie. Uh we we I don't it is it is the weird thing. We we pointed out flaws but we were in love with the flaws. Mm. <laughs> that's I think that's that's what that movie made that movie so so special that even for the parts that you could criticize that is actually what makes that movie so special, and what makes you love the movie so much is is the weird decisions and the the weird production issues and uh, so yeah, Oh we love Malignant. So, Elio and um and Kenny obviously did too. So uh, yeah, that's the that's everything that
1: I have on my list. Dave, do you mm. have anything? Uh, yeah. One or two things. Um, we'll start off with uh, something which I I didn't think was going to count towards what I watched in horror this week, and then I saw a particular episode and it completely changed my mind. So uh, I I finally got round to starting on Loki season two on Disney Plus this week. Uh, I've been waiting for it to finish up before I jumped into it because uh, it's a torture a, tor- a tortuous wait. Um, watching these things week to week, uh, especially when you know that you enjoy them as much as you do, so uh, I, I waited for them all to finish, and then they did, and then I jumped on, and um, it's excellent. But there's a couple of episodes which really, really push the limit of what I think they could get away with for a show. Which I I'm not sure what the age rating is meant to be for uh, for Loki season two, but I would imagine that they they expect it to be okay for kids to watch because it's part of the larger MCU, and as such, you you tend to uh, expect that they will make it safe for, for kids to watch, even if it's kids with the uh, uh, accompaniment of their uh, their uh, parents. But yeah, there are scenes in in this season that just go way beyond, like people being turned into spaghetti, like meat spaghetti, um, <laughs> flesh being ripped from bones, etc it is brutal um so i i would uh, approach it with caution if you have younglings uh if you don't though then uh you know watch it and uh, enjoy it all, all of its gruesome lovely details it's funny it's tragic it's hilarious it's saddening it's all of the above um there's a brilliant uh i i, I can't even call it a cameo performance because he's in pretty much every single episode um but uh ki hoi kwan uh, who we've all fallen in love with once again in the last few years uh is is in this second season as a character called Ouroboros, and he's just brilliant he really is like he's he's genuinely a scene a scene stealer in in every scene that he's in um love him so much. He's basically just playing himself as he does in in most things it seems. <laughs> but uh, I don't mind that. I uh, I just think he's just this adorable guy who I could watch uh, play any role in anything that I watch and I I'd be happy to do it. Um I also finished watching uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities this uh, past week. I uh, had two episodes left, uh, the viewing and the murmuring um i know david mentioned last week that there was like a he thought that one of them might be set in the future um it's not set in the future but it feels very much like it is um or at least in like a alternate version of the future um (laughs) <laughs>
0: that's fantastic there, there is no set version of the future yet Dave
1: I'm I, pretty sure about it <laughs> I know I know I was stumbling over my words what I actually meant to say was um, a an alternate version of the past which, which is almost more futuristic than you know like steampunk kind of thing I guess yeah I get it Um, so the episode that I'm talking about is The Viewing which was episode 7 it was directed by Panos Kazmatos who uh, people will probably know best for Mandy Um and it feels like it is basically a, a tv episode which is ripped straight from the same reality um it's beautifully shot it's got a, a kind of 1970s film grain filter over the top of it the lighting is very uh different to the lighting that i've mentioned in the previous episode um of, of the previous episodes that i've watched uh, being set in the 1970s, it gives it uh, a very different feel to a lot of the other episodes of this uh, series. Um, and the performances are excellent as well. I mean, you've got Eric Andre, Peter Weller, Sophia Boutea, um, Just the, the list goes on and on. Um, and it's just so very, very weird. Like, it feels like a very for a majority of it it's weird fiction it's not horror and then the final act kicks in and it definitely becomes horror um peter weller is wonderful uh in in the role of uh this old dude um who uh, called lionel lassiter who basically invites uh, a bunch of different people to visit him at his home um and uh, they do a bunch of drugs and then he shows them something really weird and then things kick off Uh, very good episode I I personally think it's my favourite of the entire show I'm afraid I cannot say say the same for The Murmuring which is the final episode in the season Um, it's well directed but it just feels very cookie cutter in a way, it's um, based on a short story by Guillermo del Toro. Um, it feels like an extension of. Um, now, Andy, you'll need to help me because my memory is always awful. Uh, what was the name of that um, movie that he made? Uh, Haunted House. Um, it was uh, Crimson the House Peak, w- Crimson Peak. Yes, thank you. Um, it felt very much like an extension of Crimson Peak uh, very similar kind of ghost story um, but you don't get answers for a long period there's uh, the kind of uh, the birds thing going on and not just because they're ornithologists who are on an island uh, kind of studying the, the ornithology orn- I can't say the word uh, the bird life <laughs> um, none of that uh but it's uh it's got some good acting in it uh sc davis and andrew lincoln play a married couple who are a pair of ornithologists who uh, are kind of well regarded in the field um there's some nice little nods to the fact that it's based in like the 50s and um sexism is still alive and well so Even though Andrew Lincoln's character is at pains to point out that his wife is the brains behind the the outfit, everybody just goes up to him immediately and shakes his hand and talks to him about it, and nobody bothers to talk to her. Um, There's a kind of backstory about uh, some kind of tragedy, which they you kind of get the feeling that it's probably that they had a child that they lost either um, before it was brought to term or shortly thereafter. Uh, that does get filled in near the end uh so you know exactly what's going on uh, it's like a parallel drawn between what sh- uh, the um the the female in, in the relationship is, is seeing versus uh what she experienced in her own life um it's it's fine it's solid but it's just not that great and it's certainly not the episode that i would have ended the series on i probably would have switched these two around put the murmuring at number seven and put the viewing on last uh it's a shame because it's got some good performances some good acting um but it's just a very by the numbers kind of ghost story which if you're into that kind of stuff then it probably pushes all the buttons for you and it's probably exactly the sort of thing that you want but for me i was off of the back of all of the other episodes in this show I was hoping for something a little bit more left field and it didn't quite deliver there, I'm afraid. So there we go. Um, that was that. And then the last thing that I saw this week, and I'm not quite done with it yet. I think I've got like two episodes left to watch. Um, Netflix's 2022 TV series reboot of Resident Evil. Um, right. it, I'm enjoying it very much. Uh I know it's not to everybody's uh, liking and there are people that are like, no, if it's not going to be the film franchise, I don't want it. And there's other people that will be like, well, no, I I want something completely different. What I like about it is that it's familiar, but it's different at the same time. It takes place in two time frames simultaneously, so you kind of get the feeling of like a dark or something like that without the timey-wimey stuff going on Um, he's got some great performances Lance Reddick plays uh, Albert Wesker Uh, people that know Resident Evil immediately know who that is Um, but the actual TV show itself focuses on the relationship of his twin daughters uh, Jade and Billy and um, they do a really good job in this series at least so far of burying the lead so you don't know exactly in the future, 14 years in the future, um, 14 years after the uh, the T-virus uh, is released onto the world, you catch up with one of the two sisters. And I'm not going to say which one because I think that it's a deliberate storytelling um, uh, device that they don't tell you who it is until the end of like the first episode or the beginning of the second. So I'm not going to say which one's which, but uh, you, you start off with one of the sisters Um, she's in london she's been there for six months she's studying vampire vampires jesus christ dave get your act together it's because I, i can hear myself better and i'm distracted by my own voice i apologize everybody i can only imagine how the listeners feel having to listen to me um but uh yeah so she's been spending six months in london studying zombies or zeros as they call them in uh in this universe and um something goes a little bit wrong and she kind of narrowly escapes being eaten and then the adventure kind of kicks off it like it puts her on the radar and everything kicks off umbrella are after her there's a bunch of different factions that run the world uh you find out that there's about 300 million people left in the world which sounds like a lot admittedly that is a lot of people but then you remember that there was at one point like seven or eight billion people on the planet and most of them aren't dead they've turned so suddenly you, you understand, like you know, there's like seven billion zombies and three hundred million of us. We're a little bit outnumbered. Um, I, I I remember it. I remember there being a lot of consternation uh, about this show when it first came out. I I don't think many people had a lot of positive things to say about it on my timeline. I don't know if you've seen any of it, Andy. I have not, but okay. I just like you mentioned,
0: have not heard great things about it, but Hmm. I'm, I'm not a Resident Evil expert. I have not seen all the movies. (laughs) Hmm. Um, I've never played the game, but I've seen bits of it, of course. Hmm. Um, And I have seen that the the new movie that everyone else also forgot. Uh, (laughs) But I, I I watched that at some point, but yeah, uh,
1: I I have not seen the show. No. Um, I, w- I would say it's honestly like if you're struggling for something to watch and I know that's never a problem but <laughs> if you are struggling for something to watch and you have Netflix then it might be worth giving a couple of episodes a go. um I think it is actually a show which people that aren't 100% like you you and me like we're, neither of us are like experts on Resident Evil as a whole I tuned out of the game franchise after like the second one or the third one uh Village I never understood what was going on with Village um but apparently there are, I say apparently, there are definitely references to all of the Resident Evil games, including Village. Um, and it's its its strange. I, I'm calling it Village, um, even though it was just called Resident Evil 4 at the time, by the way, people. Um, because it kind of went away from zombies and went into something a little bit different. It was like cults and things like that, and a guy with a, a bag on his head with a chainsaw. Uh, that character appears in this show. Um, so they managed to tie all of that together. There are little nods to previous uh, games and, and other characters, but this is very much an original story. Um, and I, I think it's well enough done that it is worth having a look at, but I know that there are going to be, especially when it comes to fans of the games and the uh, the, the original movie franchise, there's going to be a lot of people that just aren't going to like it because it's not what they have grown to know and grown to like. Um, and it's a shame, but I can completely understand why uh, some people just don't like it and aren't willing to to give it uh, a go. But I, I think it's well enough done that it's worth looking at. Um, I'm not going to say that it's like the greatest thing ever made or anything because clearly looking at IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, it is not. Um, But I I think that it does enough, well enough, that it's worth having a look at. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I've not heard anything about whether it's getting another season. Possibly not. Um, That's kind of a shame because I like the world that they've set up and I would like to see where it goes. But um, it's... As of yet, I, I can't find anything about... I, I've not Googled it to, to find out. Maybe I'll have a look down the line. But I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. And at some point, I should probably watch that film that nobody remembered came out. And I, <laughs> I'll be honest, I when I was watching this show, I was like, weren't they going to make another Resident Evil movie? And I was like, didn't they bring it out already? And I couldn't remember, and I didn't bother looking it up. So I'm glad that you confirmed it for me. <laughs> yeah, I had completely forgotten about that movie as well. Yeah.
0: As you mentioned the show, I remember, yeah, there was that movie. We even watched it. It wasn't totally bad, but also pretty forgettable. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Movie made by committee. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember in the in the beginning, there's a scene, um Guy, motorcycle and, and in in the home there i don 't know for some reason that they you see uh pretty prominently you see a, a football helmet, and in my mind, I went all right, that guy on the motorcycle at some point he will have that uh, football helmet on and mm. maybe swing a bat or whatever doesn't happen <laughs> and I was I was I was bummed out because I I was in my mind I was I was picturing this this upcoming scene with a guy on a motorcycle in a, yeah. in a football helmet and then it didn't happen got it. <laughs> and then it I thought down. why did you why did you feature that helmet so prominently in, in that one shot <laughs> if, you, if you're not going to use it later on in the movie I mean I that's Chekhov's gun right this was Chekhov's, cool gun, helmet. Right? Was Chekhov's uh, football helmet you put the helmet on the mantelpiece you will use Use the helmet later on in the movie, and then they didn't.
1: (laughs) Oh dear, I'm glad you called it Chekhov's football helmet and not just Chekhov's helmet because I'm pretty sure that that's a completely different genre of movie. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I, I can
0: imagine what you're thinking of, but I'm not quite in getting... Pornography, getting, Andy. Uh, pornography. Yeah yeah, 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 I was sure <laughs> that I would be that, but I, I... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, there's one more thing that I um, thought of that I wanted to mention and forgot, um, because Dave and I made a pact. Uh, you have heard Dave talk about the Dark
1: Tower series for the past years. I don't know, when did you start reading those books? Oh, God. Um, someone will probably be able to go back and actually find the episode where i talk about picking okay, up the gunslinger but you, but... you
0: didn't start it before we had Erie.
1: oh you god start... no i was still okay. working at uh lloyd's but it was after we started Erie, so okay, i would so, say yeah. possibly 20 2018 maybe very
0: possible yeah all right so uh anyway yeah so dave is going through those books and you have two thirds i guess of the last volume left and I've been thinking about um, reading those books for for several weeks now. I had read the first two volumes something like twelve years ago, and back then couldn't quite get into it, so I, I had no interest in in reading more. And those were the f- I think those were the first Stephen King books I read. I had read several of the Richard Bachman books um, when I was around eighteen, and I really liked those. But I never read any Stephen King books, and at some point I thought i well I should maybe at some point give Stephen King a try and and, and started with those books um, but I think i 'm in a very different place right now i 've read several Stephen King books by now. I really like his writing. I listened to all those the King cast episodes on the Dark tower and mm-hmm. uh, so I thought maybe th- now, maybe now is the time to to finally read those books, and for weeks i 've been debating do i get a whole set immediately do i get one book first and see if it is really for me and then i i, <laughs> I actually try to find try, try to find a reason to make it a project in in 2024 to read all the books so i looked up when did the first book come out maybe maybe there's an anniversary next year first book came out i don't know 80 something uh, uh, no no anniversary the last book came out in two thousand and four, so next year it's the twentieth anniversary of the conclusion of the series. That could be my motivation <laughs> to, <laughs> to read those books in twenty twenty four. And then, so there's a there's a British box set of all the books, so the seven novels and and the Wind in the Keyhole, the the one that he released, I think, in two thousand and twelve. So <laughs> volume four point five. Um, so all those books um, for like. 64 euros which i think is something like 70 dollars or so Mm.
1: um and yeah
0: so do i get the whole set it's not that expensive but it is like 64 euros if i'm not reading all of them that's that is still um quite a bit of money uh and then and i've 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 looked at those that set up Again and again and again, and then I found another edition, another English edition with with nicer covers, <laughs> not a box set single editions uh, single volume editions, but but a nicer cover so i thought okay if i if I get. Just the seven main books without the wind in the keyhole. That's about €69, €70. It's a little bit more than the box set, but still not too much. And it looks nicer. But do I get only the first book? Do I get all of them immediately? I don't know. Should I do this? Uh, And I I just... mm, So we're recording Sunday. And it was on, I think, Thursday. Thursday, a few days ago, I talked to Bianca in the morning, and 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 I said to her just what I said to you right now, and and then she said she said yeah I don't know have you have you checked eBay maybe or or the 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 the, the um, what's it called the the classified ads online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I had checked eBay, but of course I. So I, this time around was twelve years ago. I read the the German editions, and this time around I wanted to read the English editions. But being in Germany, of course, you get all the books easily and, and cheaply. Uh, but mostly the the German editions, and then um, they're all different editions, and it doesn't really look that nice, which which isn't super important, but still you want to have a, a bit of a coherent look to them <laughs> if you have them on the shelf. Um, um, and so, yeah, I couldn't find those, but I hadn't checked the the classified ads. So, there, I, I don't know. There, there is this thing um, that used to belong to eBay. Uh, I don't know if if they're operating internationally or not. I don't know. Um, but it is a pretty uh, popular platform for classified ads online. So I, and I, I never, I, I've never dealt with that thing. But but Bianca sells stuff there sometimes. So yeah, Thursday morning, I after she mentioned that on on our way to our respective works um, in the tube um, I yeah I went uh, on the classified ads and, and looked it up and yeah same thing you get the occasional English volume and you get all the German ones and there was one ad for um, all the books in German except for the first volume that person wasn't able to find the first volume <laughs> but sold all all the other books for very cheap I think like 10 euros plus shipping, and, and shipping would have been like, I don't know, 5 euros or so. So very, very cheap for 6 or 7 books. And that stayed in my mind, and I thought, oh, maybe it's, it's so cheap, maybe I should switch and read them in German, because it wouldn't, w- would be very easy to get the first volume. Um, and then this more or less whole set, so it would at least be cheap, uh, but it wouldn't be English. And then, uh, on my on my lunch break i looked again and i <laughs> kid you not just 20 minutes before i saw the ad someone had put up the whole english set <laughs> on the classified ads i i saw it 20 minutes after the person had put up that ad um 15 euros for the whole set Um, (laughs) plus seven euros shipping so that's 22 euros that's 24 dollars for all the books in english read once so great condition the first four are in a box set uh the last three are all of the same edition and wind in the keyhole is a a hardcover edition Mm -hmm. but they're all in the same design so they're not exactly the same editions but in the same design but anyway for 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 22 euros i would not have cared (laughs) so yeah and and like within within two hours the the person had had gone to the post office and and put the books in the mail and the next day they were at my place so it couldn't have worked out nicer with bianca mentioning it in the morning me seeing that ad uh, on my lunch break, twenty minutes after the person had put up the ad, uh, messaged them. They responded within minutes, uh, and and yeah. Now now I have those books, and now it is my project to read all of them. At least the four seven core books. You you haven't read Wind in the Keyhole, have you? No, oh, I have. Oh, you have. Oh, I, I thought you you may have skipped that one because no. uh, from what I hear, it's it's not really necessary to read. Um, but okay, all right. Uh, because I, I was thinking I will definitely read the the seven core box. I'm not sure if I'm going to read Wind in the Keyhole uh, at least next year because it is... The, the 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 seven books alone um that's four thousand pages, and I'm a slow reader uh but yeah, um to put a bit of a pressure m- on myself, I made a pact with Dave that we're both gonna finish the series next year, so he has two thirds of a book, and I have seven books to read <laughs> uh, and I also put it on Twitter, and uh, as I mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, when I listened to episodes that have now come out a year ago uh, with Matt Fraction being on on the KingCast and and him reading the series for the first time and and whenever he finished a volume, he goes on the KingCast and they talk about those books. And December, a year ago, they released the episode on volume four with Matt Fraction. And then they... On that episode, they made plans for him to read the last three volumes within twenty twenty three and recording episodes with the Kingcast in twenty twenty three. And there has not been an episode since. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure he was busy with uh with uh, the Godzilla series Monarch Legacy of Monsters that is currently coming out on, on, on Apple TV. So I, I'm I'm convinced that's the reason <laughs> why he hadn't been. Back on, on the Kingcast, but I put up this 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 tweet uh, saying though uh, now I have all the books. I'm making it a project to read them all in 2024 for the 20th anniversary of the of the publishing of the last book. And I wish for Matt Fraction to come back on the Kingcast to finish his run of episodes on the series. And the Kingcast responded, and they say if if anything if everything goes according to plan, they will record. Within this year, so in December in 2023, they will record the next episode with Matt Fraction on the Wolves of the Cala. So I got those, uh, got this announcement out of them, <laughs> which is also good news. So, yeah, uh, that's a project now. Uh, I will have a lot of reading to do next year, so don't be surprised if I do not watch any movies <laughs> except <laughs> for our main topics which speaking of main topic let's get to our main topic or do you have, do you want
1: to add anything to the dark tower thing uh only that it turns out i haven't read the wind through the keyhole i must have got it conflated with song for susanna or um I... the other one uh yeah so <laughs> okay yeah sure it, uh...
0: Good for me. No pressure that I need to read that book to uh, be on the same level. (laughs) Pressure for me, though, because it means Um, I've got one more to finish. (laughs) Yeah, but it's, it's a shorter one. Um, And from from what I hear, it is a book that you can read after you finish the whole series. (laughs) Well, it was published after the series had been completed, yeah. Exactly. And it seems like structurally it is very close to one of the other books where it's just them sitting around a fire and Roland telling a story. And if you read them in order, I think those two books are right next to each other and seem very similar um structurally so it is maybe even a better reading experience not reading them
1: it was wizard and glass um yeah i was getting it mixed up with yeah because that's very similar they sit down around a fire and basically he tells them a story of when he was younger and he went out with cuthbert and and alan yeah and that's volume
0: four and went through the keyhole is 4.5 so you would read them just back to back and and maybe get a bit bored uh with the with the form, so yeah, it, it, it seems like it's it's a book that you can easily uh, read after Volume 7 at some point. So, Okay, then, main topic, as mentioned at the top of the show, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is a 2021 American supernatural horror film directed by Michael Chavez. I'm going to pronounce it Chavez. I don't know. Shaves? Chavez? No, Chavez, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Marcus Chavez, with a screenplay by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick from a story by Johnson McGoldrick and James Wan, who of course directed the first two Conjuring movies. The film serves as a sequel to The Conjuring from 2013 and The Conjuring 2 from 2016, and as the seventh installment in the Conjuring universe. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga reprise the roles as paranormal investigators and authors Ed and Lorraine Warren, with Ru- Ruarie O'Connor. Sarah Catherine Hook and Julian Hilliard also starring one and Peter Saffron return to produce the film which is based on The Trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, a murder trial that took place in 1981 mm, Connecticut, in addition to The Devil in Connecticut, a book about the trial written by Gerald Brittle Dave, remind me Mm. we did episodes on The Conjuring movies, didn't we? (laughs) Or just d- one
1: of them? Yeah. Um, I've, I'm fairly certain that we did one on The Conjuring. And I know that I watched The Conjuring 2 in cinemas. Yeah. I can't remember if that that was for the show or because I was feeling unusually brave at the time. Because <laughs> um, I, I know what these movies are like. And <laughs> I don't do well. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain. In fact, you know what I can do, just to double-check that, yeah. is I can just go to fanoff.com. And search for conjuring, yeah. which I'm doing I we right did, now.
0: I did. I know we did the first one because I rewatched the movie for that episode, and I'm pretty sure we did an episode on episode uh, on, on movie two as well. We definitely talked
1: about it because oh, we, we have them. all seen it. Yeah, we did them both in the same episode. It was actually quite some time ago, episode 48 from 2016. So an episode
0: you will not be able to find on Apple Podcasts because (laughs) only our latest 300 episodes are on there, but you can find on fanoff.com. If you go to eerieinternational.com, it will take you to fanoff.com. I did not mention that um, at the top of the show, but now you know where to find all our back catalog. So you can go back and listen to that episode on the first Conjuring movies, and I'm sure we talked about some of the other movies from the Conjuring universe as well so um yeah this movie came out in 2021 so it's one of those movies that came out during this weird time during the pandemic where in some countries cinemas were open in some countries they weren't i did not go to see this movie at the cinema i just watched it today for the first time it showed up on netflix just recently at least in europe or in in you watched on netflix didn't you uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so at least in the UK and Germany, <laughs> I cannot speak um, to any of the other territories anyway. So, um, what I find interesting, just as the first tangent, um, Michael Chavez within the Conjuring Universe now directed The Curse of La Llor- Llorona, which I mentioned at some point. We did not do an episode on it, but I watched it and I talked about it. Mm. Then he directed The Conjuring, that it will make me do it. And then he directed The Nun 2, which just came out this year. <laughs> <laughs> so he directed three movies within the Conjuring universe from more or less three different franchises. I think Next, he has to do an Annabelle movie, <laughs> <Oy>. <laughs> <laughs> because that's I think that is the the one sub franchise within the Conjuring universe that he hasn't made a movie from yet. So mm. Conjuring, um, now starting with La Llorona. Yeah, I'm not able to pronounce that. Yeah, my Spanish, Spanish isn't too likely. great. Do not speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, la Lorona, maybe conjuring um the nun i think Annabelle should be next so um remind me dave Mm. what uh, were your thoughts except for them being frightening uh
1: what are your thoughts on on the conjuring movies uh so i've only watched conjuring one and two i don't think i've watched any of the Um, The, the, spin-offs i mean those yeah yeah sure um I I just figured I would uh, just throw that out there so that everyone knew. Um I as I've said before, I'm I'm not a big fan of jump scares and the thing about the Conjuring movies is that they use jump scares quite a lot. <laughs> um it's I'll be I'll be really honest. It's been 7 years since sure. uh watching uh, either of them. I, my, my general feeling towards them is that they're decent movies and that the second one particularly creeped me out um, mainly because Valak as a character is really, really freaky looking. Um, like they, they found an actress who had a, a very unique uh, face and then they did some makeup effects just to make her look absolutely horrific. Um, <laughs> like she, uh, because like she's got quite a long nose, and they accentuate that with, with Valak as a character. Um, the I've talked about this before, but the scene in um, there's a scene in, in a study where there's a picture of the nun on the wall, mm-hmm. and this shadow kind of comes around the wall, and then hands come out from the side and grip hold of the frame, and it rushes at um, uh, Patrick Wilson's character. And that, that that fucked me up. Like <laughs> that, that scene's an all timer. Yeah, like it's a really well done scene. Um, so overall I think that they're good movies. They're not necessarily for me. Like uh, if I'm going to be looking for a horror film to watch, I don't think the conjuring is going to be a film that is going to come up in my head as oh, I'll watch that one. It's definitely it's not a movie series that I dislike. And I'll very happily watch them so that we can talk about them on the show. It's just for my own personal viewing pleasure. It's not the kind of thing that I will jump on. And that pretty much counts for all kinds of possession movies specifically. I think that that's interesting is that this Conjuring movie has kind of gone back to its roots if I'm remembering correctly. The first one had a bit of a possession thing going on with it um the second one not well it had a little bit of possession in there but it was mainly a poltergeist movie it's more of a haunting than a possession yeah yeah, yeah. um and so this one very much kind of like lands back in the realm of possession um even though you know we'll, we'll talk about it as we discuss the movie is it really possession eh, kind of but also not entirely like it it's not as simple as that Um, But yeah, I I think they're they're good movies, but they're not personally my cup of tea. Mm. I would much rather watch a slasher movie or um, like a a zombie movie or or vampires or basically any other genre. Um, (laughs) I don't do that well with hauntings because I I find that haunting movies are the ones that tend to use jump scares more often. Mm. And that is something which I have gone on record previously as as just not liking that being said and, and as i have mentioned already so i'm going to sound like a broken record i think that the conjuring utilizes jump scares better than most other franchises and, and movies that i've seen that have used them so that's definitely a plus for them wouldn't necessarily say that this is the best in the series for using them though i felt like they were very formulaic and very predictable even when they try to subvert your expectations like um there's a scene early on where um the uh i i can't remember the guy's name now um uh arnie arnie yeah thank you okay. <laughs> um arnie is looking through a hole in the wall and you expect like an eye to f- to flick open and look back at him at something and it doesn't and then he turns around and then that woman kind of grabs hold of him and goes in um it was too Did you obvious. immediately
0: realize that it's a
1: woman? I thought it was his doppelganger for a, for it a moment. It seemed like it, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, uh, but then the more I saw of her, the more I realized they kind of do look similar in a weird way. So I, I'm not—I'm still not hundred percent sure because I didn't rewind it to see mm. whether it was his doppelganger or her. Because the thing is, throughout the movie, that both uh, are utilized by her, especially in the third act when um, Lorraine is is in the catacombs and she's kind of uh, trying to chase after her but then she falls over and there's a copy of her in front of her and all kinds of weird shit going on um did very much enjoy the whole corpses being reanimated thing but i think that probably says more about my zombie fetish than it does anything else <laughs> uh but yeah overall they're they're decent movies i i like mm. the um the, the larger universe that they've built around them Um, it makes it much more satisfying when you see a scene at the end of the movie where he puts a new piece a a new trinket in his collection and you see the the painting on one wall and the doll on the uh, in the case on the other and you see all of these other things that they've collected and you're like oh i wonder if we'll go back and see some of these stories at some point Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's a really well executed franchise and it's a it's a really nice-looking film, actually. Like it's really well directed. It's got great acting. Um, it's a it, it, it's it's a, a thumbs up from me. I, I think mm-hmm. if you're into the Conjuring universe, then this is another great one to watch. I I remember when they announced it at the time, and I'll, I'll, this will be the last I'll say about it, and I'll pass over to you, Andy. Um, I remember when they announced the name of the movie and it became clear that it was based on another true story but it was like a it wasn't like the uh the haunting in Enfield uh you know uh, it it's so, someone has actually killed somebody else and then claimed that they were possessed yeah. <laughs> like this actually kind of happened and i was like i i don't know how much they can get out of this like i mm-hmm. I, I i'm not necessarily sure that this has the um has the bandwidth uh, for for a good movie to be made out of it um especially because you know we're talking about events that took place in 1981 84 81 81 yeah um like those people are still alive and you have to be very careful with how you make this movie because there's going to be someone who is not going to take kindly to the fact that you're or, no, nobody's taking it as oh no this is what definitely happened you know like mm. it's fiction we all know this but somebody is going to not take kindly to this so you have to be very very careful with how you present it um it's not for me to say whether they did it well or not in that sense because i'm, I'm not close enough to it to to have those feelings but mm. uh yeah i i think that um it's a much better movie than i was expecting it to be given my mm. reservations when I heard they were making it. Um, And it makes me interested to see where they're going next, because I'm pretty sure they're making a fourth one. I've seen uh, talk of a fourth one either being in development or about to enter into development. Um, And it's a Patrick Wilson franchise. They don't die. They just keep on trucking, don't they?
0: That guy (laughs) owes so much to James Wan for putting him into The Conjuring. Insidious, yep. Aquaman,
1: <laughs> James Wan loves his Patrick Wilson. And he's got every right to as well, because Patrick Wilson, as it turns out, great actor. <laughs> and even Patrick
0: Wilson even got to direct the latest Insidious movie. So not only as an actor he owes James Wan, <laughs> now he's also owes his star. I, I don't think he has directed a feature before, so he, he owes his directing um, star to James Wan as well, in a sense. Mm. Um, yeah, I um, what was I about to go? Oh, yeah, so um, so the the, the movie is about, um, as we mentioned, this this true quote unquote true trial. And we we I think even on our other Chandering episode, we didn't really go too much into the reality of things regarding Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, they were. I I I haven't looked too much into their history, but it seems like they were basically like scam artists, artists, and, and uh, everything has been debunked. Um, all the all the cases that they worked on and so on. I but uh, that's, that's nothing that I'm too interested in in discussing surrounding. In, in regards to the for the conjuring movies, but of course the, the movie says based on true events, and immediately you you think about these things: how much is actually true? How much did they fictionalize for the movie? And and but yeah, nothing that I will investigate too much and and form a a strong opinion on. I'm just judging the movie as a piece of entertainment mm-hmm. as I have taken it in. Um movie goes like this, begins with a uh, an exorcism of a young boy um, who is possessed and Ed and Lorraine are there. Um, possession, uh, exorcism doesn't really go as planned. Uh, Ed gets... Um,
1: because His heart the, stopped. The, yeah, <laughs> the,
0: the, the demon attacks him and says, I'll, "I'll stop your heart." So he doesn't; he can't really interfere uh, anymore. And um, a a young man, the the boyfriend to to the kid's sister, um, says, "Yeah, let, let the, to the demon, basically, let the boy go. Take take me." And so the the, the demon slips into Arnie, uh, and Ed is the only one who. Uh, witness that, but he is out of the picture. He's taken to the hospital. He uh, can't speak for a while, so people do not know. People go on living their lives. And at some point, Arnie kills a guy. Uh, and um, yeah, he, while being possessed. So Ed wakes up again, and, and he tells the story that what, what happened at the, at the first exorcism. And they go to trial, and the Defense says, yeah, well, um, we plead not guilty uh, because he was possessed by a demon. Um, <laughs> the devil it's a made bold me strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. I, I I liked how they edited it in the movie where Ed and Lorraine are and, and Arnie at the at the, um, at the lawyer's office. And, and she says, well, this hasn't been done before, at least not successfully. And if you can't even convince me how you're... Are you going to convince a jury? And they say, well, come over to dinner. Uh, we'll sh- show you all our stuff. We'll introduce you to Annabelle. And if we can convince you, you will... Or you you, you can take on the case. Cut to the courtroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, <laughs> hard cut to the courtroom. And her with Arnie sitting there uh, and, and pleading not guilty. Mm. Uh, I, I like that piece of editing, That the jump in time forward uh, skipping the whole part of them convincing her because you don't really need that by cutting to the courtroom and her sitting there and pleading not guilty uh, uh, you know okay they were able to convince her obviously
1: I would Um, have quite enjoyed it if they cut to the courtroom and they had a completely different lawyer (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that would have been nice as you know well, like yeah. she was just like nah fuck <laughs> that shit
1: i ain't i ain't doing this guys i'm not buying it yeah. sorry
0: <laughs> yeah the, the conjuring doesn't deal with that amount of comedy <laughs> but that would have, it would have been a nice moment worked. of relief yeah. <laughs> so and of course when the first trailers came out i think that at least to me that was the the very interesting part the the moment when they mention well in court they they have have you swear on the bible that you will say the truth so courts acknowledge the existence of god it's time they acknowledge the existence of the devil mm. uh, and i i think that's 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 a very 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 interesting approach yeah. and and yeah i think for for the franchise Actually, um, a a new approach, and that's what... I So, I like the movie as well. Uh, I thought thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. As you mentioned, very well made. Looks really nice. Of course, uh, we know from from James Wan and his cinematographers, that guy knows how to make uh, a good-looking movie, and they managed to keep that uh, with... I'm going to call it The Conjuring 3... Um, with this movie as well looks very good um very well directed, nice camera work, so that that stuff is all there. I like the characters, I like the actors. um I was really entertained by this movie um and no I'm already again lost my train of thought. where was I going to go with this um, oh yeah, the fresh new approach uh, i I like that they took this this uh, different approach where they um where where it's a proper possession and not a haunting and where the possession is caused by a human being by mm. a s- satanist by someone who is putting a curse on people so in the first two movies we have demons torturing people in their homes mm. for their demonic reasons. <laughs> and in part three, um, we have a human being um, putting a curse on people, so summoning a demon, promising them a soul, and, yeah, things happen. There's other people in, within the movie we l- that have been possessed, as we learn, and have killed people. And it is basically closer to, like... Um, a serial killer movie where we have these detectives doing an an investigation on killings and trying to find the killer, trying to find Mm. who is behind these killings, a human being that we can actually find and stop from killing more people. But in this this case, the killings uh, involve demonic possession
1: <laughs> not just your regular serial killer with a knife Yeah, um, it's difficult to match striation marks on a demon <laughs> but, but uh,
0: that's, that's actually something that I really liked about the movie that made it uh, in a way different from the other two movies it still looks like a Conjuring movie of course you have Vera Farmiga and, and, and Patrick Wilson in, in their roles and you are familiar with, with them and their characters um, but the case is different enough so that the movie is not just the third version of the same thing
1: yeah you definitely need to mix it up and i think that's something they recognize and that that's why they've gone this direction um also i suppose they are a little bit hamstrung by uh they, they have to stay with well i say they have to they don't really they could make anything up um I would assume they need to stay within the confines of cases that Ed and Lorraine were actually involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'm looking down the list. There's quite a long list of stuff that they could get involved with. Obviously there's, there's Annabelle, um, which is a, a real thing. Um, the Perron family in Rhode Island uh, or Perron um, Amityville, I'm not surprised they've not gone near Amityville yet because of the fact that, you know, I've, so many people have done Amityville already. Uh, if I remember correctly... It does feature. I think
0: at the beginning of part two, they mm. talk about um, Amityville.
1: They do mention it in the beginning. I might be of, mistaken. But yeah, yeah, Conjuring 2. I mean, I'm I'm on the Wikipedia here and it it, it does mention here uh, Mm -hmm. the Warrens' version of events is partially adapted and portrayed in the opening sequence of The Conjuring 2. Enfield, Conjuring 2. Arnie Johnson is mentioned. Then you've got the Snedecker House, um, the Smurl family, and the Union Cemetery. So, I mean, those are the noteworthy uh, investigations uh, as according to Wikipedia, who uh, you know everybody refers to Wikipedia because it is the foremost uh, expert in all things. But uh, there there must be a lot of other stuff that they could go through. So they've they've been clever that they've gone for something which is slightly different to what's come before because it would become very mm-hmm. formulaic if it was just like okay, who's possessed this week? Right, yeah. get your Bibles out. It's Old Hands. Um, it, it it would almost become like processional. In a way, wouldn't it? Um, so yeah, they they do need to keep things a little bit fresh if they can. So I, I I think they they did a good job by by mixing things up and like you said, turning this into something much more closely resembling a um a a, a proper like investigation. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Lorraine has that moment where she says we we go back to the beginning and then they they're listening to the uh, the the recordings that they made. Uh, from the you know the initial um, incident, and that gets them to have another look at the room mm-hmm. where the uh, the water bed was, and then they find the planks with the water damage, which isn't actually water damage, and and so you know one way or the other, they use all of that to eventually get into the crawl space and find that there's a totem under there, and and that's what keys them into the idea that oh this happened on purpose, like this demon was invited, and by somebody that knows exactly what they're doing this this was um premeditated and we need yeah. to try and figure out who it is that's responsible um i think some of the ways in which there's a certain amount of happenstance which has to take place mm-hmm. for for yeah. things to fall in place yeah And, like, the priest that they're put in touch with who doesn't shake Ed's hand because he's got chicken shit all over him, which is a great line, Um, really kind of puts you at ease. Um, The fact that it's his daughter, spoilers for anyone that wasn't expecting them, but, you know, we are talking about the movie now, I suppose. Um, I make no apologies. Um, It's kind of... um, it, it, it's very easy for them to be like, oh, well, you should go and talk to this guy because he's an expert and his daughter just so happens to have been the, the culprit. It's all very neat, you know, sure. and, and but then how are you going to get there otherwise? You have to find a way of, of linking everything together and, and happenstance is as good a way as any, I suppose, but it just felt a little bit too um, easy in, in that sense, I guess. you um, what well, the, the the, the um the scenes where the uh the, the possession is taking place and like the that little eight year old when he's on the table and he kind of bends over backwards and then twists 180 degrees round yes. and his head's tucked under his arm and through his leg. I was just like, Jesus, that is horrible. That is really fucking yeah. horrible. And it looked fantastic. It looked the great. The effects were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all times I, I would say everything looked pretty much exactly how i would assume it came out exactly how they wanted it to because it looked spectacular yeah um the the lighting uh during the uh the possession scene in the prison infirmary was really well done um and i one thing that i thought to myself at the time as um, Arnie's uh, wife to be was desperately hanging onto his hand to stop him from sticking himself in the knife w- uh, in in the throat with the piece of glass, and Ed is standing over Lorraine with a sledgehammer about to smack her uh, into oblivion, and she's just kind of like I don't know if she's reaching out to him with her mind or if she's just thinking it or what like that sent a, that felt a little bit confused, but like she um, there's this kind of there's this voice saying you know uh, you know love is our strength and all that kind of stuff it's fucking schmaltzy man <laughs> like i what the I don't have to be so bloody schmaltzy but and they've always been like that i know but just like that combined with the flashbacks to when they were in the pergola um having that kiss on their first date and then the the young couple, uh, you know, desperately trying to stop him from sticking his neck with the piece of glass and everything. It just, uh, it just <laughs> felt so bloody schmaltzy. I've got no other word for it. It's the perfect word. Um, yeah, I wasn't a, I wasn't massively um, bothered about that. I, I thought that, but again, how do you get around it? I guess that's the question. It's like it's all very well for me to sit there and say, well, you know, I didn't like this. Well, how do you do it differently then? Well, that's not my job, <laughs> so it's a bit of a cop out, isn't it? Um, but here I am saying that anyway. So, yeah, it was. It was. I I thought that the, the way that it was all uh, wrapped up, smashing the altar and everything, it was pretty well done. And the death scene of the um of of the witch, uh, for want of a better expression, the satanist, the uh, uh, you know that that was suitably painful looking. I I very much enjoyed that. Without looking it up, did the boy, the the, the kid, the eight-year-old, seem familiar to you? Uh, not massively, but I was more concerned about the state of his glasses than I was <laughs> his face. So, so you're going to tell he, me he's in something I absolutely love now. He he seemed familiar to me,
0: but mm. I forgot. I didn't know from where, and I just, just now looked it up. So he's young Luke in, uh, in the Hill House series, Mike Flanagan. Oh, shit. He's yeah. in Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which you have seen. I have. He's in nine episodes, so he seems to be a major character. What the hell? <laughs> he's in five episodes of Wonder Vision, <laughs> which you have seen. <laughs> and he's in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, <laughs> Shit.
1: A I'm assuming acting. you've seen
0: Multiverse of Madness, have you? Uh, um,
1: yes, I have. That's okay, a child yeah. actor with some bloody legs. Yeah, so but... you've seen
0: pre- almost everything that he since
1: 2018 (laughs) bloody hell how did i not notice it oh man that's a good pair of glasses that's what that is that's great wardrobe well done
0: I think as young Luke he had those glasses as well. I think those glasses Probably. were what what actually made him seem familiar to me, but I could not uh, place his face. Uh but it yeah. makes total sense now that I've read it that he is his the the, the kid Luke. I mean at least in, um, in
1: like division, he he would have been in like half an episode because they were growing up so fast. Uh <laughs> That's my uh, I don't know. Either.
0: It says five episodes. He's five, he's Billy Maximoff. Yeah, it says five oh. episodes. I don't know. <laughs> ah,
1: no, nah, they grew up quicker than that, man. I'm, I'm telling you, they grew up quicker than that. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Yeah. So, um, I thought the the suspense was was really well done. Um, mm. Of course, as you mentioned, and and that is something that you see often in in those kinds of movies. That yeah, things have to fall into place. It, the, so the um, Lorraine, uh, they they send Lorraine back to to that retired priest because they need a translation, and he might be the one to be able to translate uh, yeah. whatever text that they they need there. While um, Ed and his assistant. Uh, figure out on a map, on a, on a proper serial killer board, uh, that the one case that they thought had taken place very far away from where their own case um, was, they figure out it was actually very close to them. And so they, they find a pattern and they are able to figure out, oh no, we just sent Lorraine basically into the... The, the 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 lions' den, something. Yeah. Phrase in English, it is. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, of course that that happens simultaneously. That is very much, of course, movie mechanics. Um, uh, for for suspense reasons, um, suspension of disbelief, uh, something that um, needs to take place there, of course. But I think I think it's all very well done. I enjoyed the the serial killer. Um, aspect of the movie, it is. I think it's closer to Silence of the Lambs than it is to Amityville, mm. uh, and and I I enjoyed that that this this mixture of uh, Silence of the Lambs with with demonic possession, this supernatural serial killer thing, um, and and seeing the the Warrens as these yeah these they're still supernatural investigators, but. In 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 this more or less serial killer setting, um, they applied good movie making craft to the whole thing, and mm. I think it's a very entertaining movie. It's a very enjoyable, suspenseful horror movie. Um, yeah. And and yeah, I, 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 if people don't remember, I'm not a huge fan of the Conjuring franchise. I liked the second one better than the first one. And I know that especially the first one is hailed as one of these all-time classics and and, and everyone loved it and it was, of course, super successful. And mm-hmm. I I can appreciate the, the craft of the first one, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed the second one more than I did the first one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and I, uh, maybe I'm just, I don't know, si- simple when it comes to <laughs> the Conjuring <contrary laughs> movies, but I, 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 I haven't rewatched the first one Probably since we did that episode on it, but f- today I would probably say I would rather watch the third one again than, than the first one. So oh, maybe enough. I should. I would pair uh, rather watch parts two and three back to back than than watch one again. So. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I definitely remember more of the second one than I do the first. So I, I think uh, I'm probably. I mean I'm biased anyway you know Enfield isn't that far from me so <laughs> if it, it feels like uh, you know they and and also like there there's there's bits of cinematography in that second movie that genuinely like I still think about today like the uh, the camera swooping over the uh, the walls of of the upstairs um yeah. and uh, I, I know if David was here, he'd probably mention Hotline Miami right now, so I'll, I'll mention that for him. Um, but it's not something that I've seen in many other movies. I, th- I can only ever think of uh, John Wick 4 as being the other film that uses that particular – I wouldn't call it a technique. I, I would just say that that angle, you know, like uh, they've taken the ceiling off of the filming set and they're just use, you, you know passing the camera over from one room to the other. Um, I watched
0: something recently. I have to go to my Mm. letterbox where they did the same thing. I didn't really watch too many things. Did they do it in Malignant? Um, Oh,
1: good question.
0: Diary here is Uh, my diary. So what did I watch? Malignant, how to blow up a pipeline, bad hair. Mm, Yeah, Mm. I I didn't really watch much more. Maybe maybe it was Malignant. Something I saw recently. I don't know. Anyway, uh, of course you're right. It, it, it's not, not, it is something that you that you notice when when movies do it because it is so specific and it's not done in very many movies, uh, and it is an, an interesting looking mm. um, piece of, of cinematography when yeah. when done right.
1: And of course, there's the little musical interlude with uh, Wilson singing um, "Just Can't Help Falling in Love with You" by Elvis, yeah. which. Honestly, like really, really good. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's a wonderful scene, and it, it, you might call it small scene. It, mm, yeah, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose, but it serves a purpose in that it calms everything down and just gives the audience a moment just to relax and calm yeah. down. And you know, we, I've talked many times, and we've mentioned many times about the fact that like uh, horror and comedy work really well together because of the fact that. They set each other off. They're like palate cleansers for each other. Um, And, you know, although that musical rendition wasn't comedy, it certainly was a palate cleanser. Like it it managed to just kind of reset everything Mm -hmm. in time for that third act to come Mm -hmm. along and and blow everyone's socks off. So, yeah, the second one for me still is – it's – it's probably above the other ones. Um, plus, it was like really fucking creepy with, with the whole Valak thing and the painting and everything. So, um, we have another Elvis
0: moment in in part three. Yes, and yeah, yeah. Did you so... meet him
1: before or after he died? Yeah, before and <laughs> See, after. There, there is a bit of comedy
0: in the Conjuring. There is a I little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> But yeah, I the third movie definitely—it's um, a, a really well done movie. It's—it's uh, it's nicely shot. Um, I tell you what, the—the the scene that's popping into my head at the moment is uh, when they revisit the crime scene of where the uh, one of these young girls was found stabbed to death. Like I think she was stabbed twenty-two times or something. Yeah. And Lorraine, uh, same as um, as when Arnie killed kills the
0: guy. Yeah. I, they don't really mention it, I believe. Also, they mention two times that. The victim was stepped twenty-two times. Mm. I thought that they at some point would really remark take on it, that and 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 in their investigation say something about that fact. But I yeah. think they didn't.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a, it, it feels like a weird, strange misstep. Uh, like misstep. Um, well. They mention it, they they don't draw attention enough attention to it, though, really. But yeah, um, so she's uh, she's using her powers to see what happened, in, and um, she reenacts it. And it's actually quite, it's its strange. It's grisly to watch. Like mm. she's she's just kneeling on the floor, stabbing the dirt. But she puts so much of herself into it that I can almost imagine there being a body. And obviously we don't have to imagine mm. because you, you see the scene taking place alongside what actually happened. So mm. you see someone actually being stabbed. But even if they didn't have that, Scene of what actually happened, and just stuck with Lorraine reenacting it. There was she put so much of herself into that um, Vera fomega that I, yeah, it it was it was pretty grisly just to watch her doing it. Like she was properly in in the role in the character.
0: Yeah, I think they they really do a nice job um, at, at editing in this movie because there's mm. several scenes where. Characters switch like that, where you see one character, or where where you see basically one action, but it edits from from one character to another, where where they switch out demon for human, or in this case, um, Lorraine for the girl who actually did the killing. Mm-hmm. So these these editing back and forth within the same. Piece of action, um, and they they do that several times, and I think it works really well. And they 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 really did a great job at the editing there. So I'm I'm very curious now um, to watch the Nun 2 because again uh, I think it might even be still in 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 a cinema round here. Uh, but it, yeah, it came out this year, and I I'm one of the. Few people who really liked the Nun, the the, the first movie directed by Corin Hardy, mm. um, and the the second one now is written by Akila Cooper, who also wrote Malignant and Megan. We mentioned that last time that she's on a, on, a, on a roll, um, and now having enjoyed The Conjuring Three, directed by Michael chavez I I'm, I'm really curious for the Nun Two now cuz I La Loronia was okay. I don't remember too much about that movie. Um but it wasn't bad either. Um but now um having seen this one today, I'm I'm curious what Michael Chavez did with the Nun 2 and what Aquila Cooper mm-hmm. I I and, and she's probably not the only credited writer. I'm, I I don't know. Um but yeah, what what they did with with that franchise, uh, with that sub-franchise of the Conjuring universe. So I, I will put that on my list for when it becomes available um, to rent. Um, you have not seen The Nun probably. Yeah, no, you mentioned no. you've only seen the, 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 the both Conjuring movies. No Believe no Annabelle, me. no Nun. Uh, if,
1: if there was a spin-off... To be watched, um, that I I would not go anywhere near. It would be the nun. <laughs> it just, <laughs> okay. it you know, it freaked me out too much. That second movie, uh, I I I can't watch a whole movie based around her as like because mm. at, at least with The Conjuring 2 you you've got the um the obscuring of Valak as as the main big bad. Like yeah, you've you've got like was he the Raggedy Man or something? I can't remember what he was called now, but um. Um, the actual ghost that was haunting yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't remember the name as well. It was it was something like the Raggedy mm-hmm. Man or the yeah. the, the Sharp Tooth Man or, or something like that. A crooked Man. That's it. It's the mm, Crooked yeah, Man.
0: That sounds familiar.
1: Yeah. Um. So a lot of the time it was that and not the nun herself. Um. In the Nun movies, I imagine that it's going to be the nun that you see a hundred percent of the time when you see something freaky and. I cannot even look at a still image of that character because that's yeah. how creepy it is. It freaks me the fuck out. So um, I, I will not be willingly subjecting myself to any <laughs> Nun movies. Thank you very much. Right. So uh, I will not suggest a, <laughs> a new episode on the Nun franchise. So. <laughs> I mean, you can. You know, said <laughs> should...
0: episodes that you are off.
1: yeah yeah i mean i said i will not willingly watch Um, (laughs) if it's a two-thirds majority then i'll force myself but uh... (laughs) all
0: right i keep that in the back of my mind but i don't think i will uh suggest uh, unless i see the nun too and think it is so fantastic that we need to do an episode on it, then I will suggest it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: okay. Oh, something else that I did want to mention. Um, I really like the fact that they brought back the Annabelle gimmick uh, from, I think, the first standalone Annabelle movie where um, you remember there's a scene, I've talked about it because it was in the trailer for the film, and um, a a big fully grown bloke sitting two rows in front of me screamed like a girl when the... (laughs) when the scene happened, but it's like a little girl running at a flapping door and then the door flaps. And as it flaps back open, it's like a full grown woman. Um, they do that again in this, except there Mm. is no flapping door. It's literally just shadows and really good camera work and editing work where it goes from, uh, Lorraine running at herself to, um, witch and she like Mm -hmm. blows some powder Uh, no no uh, Lorraine running towards Ed yeah, and and then she uh, she becomes the witch at the last second and blows powder in his face and and that's when he becomes possessed Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really really well crafted scene like really beautifully done because I when I saw the trailer for Annabelle I could tell with the door flapping what was going to happen I don't know why but I could just tell that it was going to be like an Mm -hmm. edit and there was going to be something else come out But there's literally line of sight between you and Lorraine when she's running towards Ed. And I'm like, Mm. okay, maybe it is Lorraine. I'm not 100% convinced. I was still Mm. guarded about it. But I allowed myself to relax enough that when she turned into the witch, uh, as she passed through that final shadow, I was just like, oh shit, you got me, you bastards. Like really beautifully done. And that's the kind of jump scare that I fucking love.
0: (laughs) That's another example of, 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 of those scenes that I... Uh, meant earlier when I said that they switch characters within an action uh and yeah that 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 's definitely uh a prime example for mm. for that uh, type of scene very well done yeah i <laughs> again something that I always talk about um not that I talk about the contra movies that much but I definitely talked about it when we recorded an episode on the movies that Poor daughter of theirs is, it is she is in one scene. So my sympathies go to that character. That um, <laughs> they, they, I, I think, I think I'm pretty sure. Whenever they make a conjuring movie, there comes a point uh, in the in the writing process where they realize, oh. Damn there was a daughter. We have to do something. <laughs> we have to acknowledge that there's a daughter. Where do we fit her? We don't need her. We don't want her, but at some point we need to acknowledge her. So they put her in one scene while Ed is in the in the hospital. Uh she can be there. Uh <laughs> but then she's she's never mentioned before or after. Uh yeah. and and Again, it seems like the Lorraine, the Lorraines, the Warrens care more about other people's children than they care about their own. Uh, I mean, at this point, <laughs> just make her old enough that she can leave home, and then uh, you can uh, write. Her yeah, out. It, it seemed like uh, it seemed like uh, in in this movie, she she was of that their age where she was probably gone to college. Uh, Good for her, or, or so.
1: Get uh, out of that but, house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's, it's always the, the thing with with The Conjuring 2 where. Ed gives that British girl the I don't know is it a cross some some heirloom from his family and I yeah. think to myself you have your own daughter sitting at home uh in in that house with animals and all the other creepy doll. stuff yeah
1: <laughs> yeah like what the hell are you doing <laughs> parent of the fucking year.
0: <laughs> yeah definitely um, so yeah uh, that, that's whenever there's a new Conjuring movie I, I, I will always be curious so how do we deal with the daughter this time do we even mention her and yeah sure enough she shows up in one scene <laughs> but that's it <laughs>
1: alright so um, yeah I don't know do you have any more thoughts on the movie no no um, just that it's very well done, very well directed. And, uh, you know, again, if you're a fan of the Conjuring franchise, then this is definitely one that you'll yeah. be wanting to see if you haven't already. Yeah,
0: I think uh, so too. An, an enjoyable studio, mainstream horror movie. Um, and you don't even have to have seen the other Conjuring movies. You can just, um, jump into this one. If, if you feel so inclined, it, because it is not the conjuring 3 that's very interesting to me as well did they is it because james 1 didn't do this one that they called it something else is it because they really want didn't want to tie it too much to the other movie so that people could go and see it even if they hadn't seen the others because there's a if you go back in, in, in the history of Hollywood, there was a time when sequels were just called part one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then there is a time where now we don't want to give people the feeling that they need to have seen the other ones. So each movie gets their own title without a number. And now mm-hmm. we have this franchise franchise where there is a part two, a part one, a part two, and then a third movie that has no number <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah, I think they're...
1: maybe it has something to do with the fact that there are so many spin-off films now that they don't want to maybe bring attention to the fact that there are so many sequels within it and it is but it's not consistent, right? Because I think no. the animal movies they have their own title, but with the nun, it's the nun too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it's weird. I'm not entirely sure why they've done it this way. Um it will yeah. be interesting to see if they do make further um movies in the conjuring, like the the main line yeah. kind of the Warren line of 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 conjuring movies. If they go back to numbers, or if now they are kind of sticking with the Conjuring and then subtitle for yeah. whatever this movie is, um, I mean, it would be kind of weird to have Part One, Part Two, The Devil Made Me Do It, Part Four. <laughs> it would, it would, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they did sure. do that because Hollywood is fucking weird like that. Yeah. Sometimes, it it, yeah, like sometimes it could just be okay. We did a focus group and we said, "What film are you more excited to watch?" The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, or The Conjuring free. And mm. people marginally preferred having The Devil Made Me Do It as part of the title. And yeah. that's why they did it. it. It never underestimate the ability of studio executives to make really strange decisions based on a 2% margin. Of course. You know? <laughs> 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 Fucking weird. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm, I'm hoping that... Um, that we get a, a few more of these. Uh, uh, what's really interesting to me is that, like at this point in their lives, I think the Warrens were like in their late fifties. Um, now, Patrick Wilson will always look like he's in his thirties, even though he is now fifty years old. Um, but, but I feel like they're really struggling with uh, with Vera Farmiga. It's almost like, oh, let's give her a really old hairstyle to make her look much older <laughs> than she actually is. Because like even though she she's fifty herself, like I'm shocked to actually discover mm. that she doesn't look it. Like she's one of this uh, this breed of, of of women, along with um, Nigella Lawson, who I don't know how many people listening to this will know who uh, Nigella Lawson is, <laughs> but um, there's a very famous meme that went round uh, that there was her and there was a uh, a doctor by the name of Gillian McKeefe who did a program which basically. And I apologize to anyone eating. Um, her program was you, you are what you eat. And um, <laughs> the idea of the program was that she looked at a sample of your stools to see um, how healthy you were. So she basically stared at shit all day is what she did. <laughs> but the thing is, like, Julian McKeith was all about, oh, you have to eat so much of this and so much of that to be super healthy. And Nigella Lawson was just like, put butter and cream in this. It'll taste nicer. <laughs> nigella lawson looks about half the age of Gillian mckeith like it's ridiculous and and so you know uh vera famiga is quite clearly following the um (laughs) that diet and not the Gillian mckeith diet (laughs) she doesn't look anywhere near 50 years old people are looking younger and longer Uh, longer and longer i'm tripping over my tongue here (laughs) they're looking younger and younger and it genuinely it surprises me that uh that she and um and patrick wilson are are 50 now like they just don't seem it
0: i just looked up a picture of nigella lawson i found this picture Mm. where um where is that yeah from this year so it's her with her daughter and nigella lawson it says is 63 and her daughter is 29 and they both look like they're in their 20s yeah i mean the the daughter looks like
1: even younger She's a teenage daughter and yeah yeah. it's mad isn't it like it was 13 years ago obviously i can do maths um (laughs) but this thing came up with her and McKeefe. i'm just like you look at her now and it's like she doesn't look any older like she she must be bathing in the blood of virgins or (laughs) or or, or fucking asp milk or something i don't know but like she's got that cleopatra (laughs) gene does (laughs) doesn't she? Like <laughs> looks ridiculously young, but yeah. I, so I'm um, I'm interested to see what they do to make them look older as as they play <laughs> subsequent um, versions of the Warrens. Because th- that was one of the things. Actually, there is one more thing I wanted to talk about. Those end credits. I I really like the end credits because of the fact that they show you real photos of what happened during the case, and mm. they put them alongside pictures of the actors and actresses. There has never been a film franchise that I've been aware of that has paid less attention to what the real person looked like and <laughs> cast an actor according to that because nobody looks like themselves in this film. <laughs> <laughs> nobody at all. Arnie looks completely different. Yeah. I, I think they probably wanted to go with someone who looked less like a serial killer than the real Arnie. <laughs> um and I, I know that's very nasty of me to say, but he he just kind of looks like he should have like a double-barreled name, like all of the best. American killers, um, <laughs> and then you look at um, the, um, um, oh Christ, I've been using their names all bloody uh, Warrens. You look at the Warrens. Holy shit, you couldn't get much different, could you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. The 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 real
0: Warrens were always in their sixties and looked it. <laughs> yeah, in in, in their in their the way people looked in their 60s in the 60s (laughs) this is true yeah yeah people have
1: definitely um this is a phenomenon that has been noted by a lot of people that we we just look younger the further on in time that that we go people of a certain age look younger than they would have done this you know 20 30 years ago and i say in the 60s and this is a story from
0: the early '80s. So the picture that you see uh, <laughs> from, um, from um, with them in it are from 1980, 81. Uh, but they look like yeah, and and the movie does too. Of course, the movie for a large part takes place in a very rural area. Mm. If you'd say the movie takes place in the '70s. I would absolutely believe it. Maybe, of course 81 isn't that far removed from the 70s but the the I don't know the the houses and and the the, the clothing the fashion the, 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 the yeah, hairstyles 81
1: uh, was still kind of that crossover yeah. era wasn't it. Like I was thinking about this the other day I don't know why I can't remember what temp- what started me thinking on it. So, you know, this will probably sound like I'm just making it up. But um yeah, like the the fashions. Like it, it, a lot of us like to think that like New Year's Day, nineteen eighty, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. went from wearing bell bottom jeans yeah. and like big collars and stuff yeah. to just you know wearing whatever it was that we wore mm. in the eighties, like tight shorts and yeah. fucking I don't know bobble. Perbs. I always I always think about the sixties because if you if you
0: if you take the sixties and you take the first half of the decade mm. and the second half of the decade somewhere. In there, hippies appear. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So 66 Swinging London, and you have 67 Monterey Pop, um, 69 Woodstock. That's a whole different 60s Mm. from uh, 60 through 65. Um, so yeah, you, you are absolutely correct. Uh, fashion styles do not, um, suddenly appear because there's a new decade and suddenly mm-hmm. everything looks the same for 10 years.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it's, it's easy to say, oh, seventies and you know what people mean by that. And eighties, you, you know what people mean by that. The strange thing is that I, I feel like fashion hasn't changed that much since the turn of the millennium. Like we're going on 23 years in the 2000s and I know that there are differences in fashion. There's definitely differences in fashion from the early 2000s because I've watched programs from the early 2000s. But generally speaking, if you're talking about like suits (laughs) largely still look like they looked like back in 2000. You know, we haven't gone back to huge lapels and things like that. Um, Shoes look the same jackets mainly the, the only real difference is whether or not bomber jackets are fashionable at the moment like one thing
0: that my mind goes to is go back 15 years and all the young people are in skin-tight jeans and now they are in baggy pants again now they are back in the 90s
1: yeah um so th- there is a there's definitely a, a change <laughs> there, there's there's definitely some things that change like you said like early very early 2000s baggy shorts baggy trousers then we got the drain pipes then we went back to being baggy but i i still kind of feel maybe this is just like a contemporary thing maybe i i can't tell because of the fact that i'm living in those eras but it just they just don't the fashion changes don't feel as dramatic as the ones Mm. that we experienced as we saw i say experience like either of us were alive in the 50s um like from like the 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s, like, you know, if if you say, okay, from 2000 to 2023, because again, I can do maths. um, That's a 23 (laughs) year year period. (laughs) I'm really good at maths. Um, So you look at like a 23 year period going from like 1960 to 1983. And you tell me that fashion is anywhere near as coherent between those dates as they Mm. are from the beginning of the 2000s. It's just, yeah, it's it's almost like we reached peak fashion, and then we just started going backwards again. Like now, we're just so influenced mm. by what came before that I think fashion is eating itself in the same yeah. way that everything else is.
0: I think the changes in youth culture and the the prominence and the importance of youth culture to culture as a whole was mm. probably bigger and more radical back then than it is nowadays. And yeah. and and with that comes the change in fashion, I guess. Mm. Yeah, just a theory. It's a good. Anyway, we, anyway recommend... we were talking about horror, weren't we? A minute ago, <laughs> we recommend <laughs> we recommend The Conjuring, uh, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, for double feature picks, I. <laughs> That's why I start because you have to think about it, I guess. Uh. <laughs> you know me so well, Andy.
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe I should always uh, send you guys a, a heads up. Please think of a double feature pick before we start recording. But before we do that, um, let's
1: talk about cars and how they've changed in the last twenty-five years. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, I, um, I. I picked Lord of Illusions, the Clive Barker movie, because it has to do with cults and it is a, a noir crime story, so this mixture of a horror genre and, and the, the the in in The Devil Made Me Do It, they talk about satanic cults. It doesn't really turn out to be that much of a cult it is just one person actually so mm. i don't know but maybe she i don't know is part of a, some kind of cult that we don't really get to know but yeah so this 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 cult aspect in the case of devil made me do it mixed with serial killer crime investigation and in um in a lot of illusions it's pretty much straight up a a noir detective and we've seen other movies where they mix noir detectives with with horror, but yeah, lot of illusions. Um, we did an episode on it some time ago. A movie that influenced me a lot, that I really liked when it came out. That don't many many people don't really. I don't think many people have seen it, and it's not very prominent. And and I think even when we did an episode on it, it, it didn't fare too well uh, with, with you guys I don't really quite remember what you thought of it if you've ever if you were even on that episode <laughs> I, I'll be
1: genuinely impressed if I can remember if I've seen it yeah. so I wouldn't worry <laughs> yeah. maybe
0: you weren't on the episode I don't quite remember <laughs> but anyway yeah so uh, Clef a lot of Illusions starring Scott Bakula my double feature pick for The Conjuring the Devil made me do it hmm. did you come up with something Dave
1: I did I did thankfully you mentioned a few right movies on. during our talk so I was able to just use one of those um I actually, I, I was thinking about it, and and the more I think about it, the more it makes perfect sense. But I think the, the way that this movie is is so different from the previous two, the fact that it feels much more like an investigative, kind of drama with horror elements thrown in. Um, the uh, the idea that they're kind of chasing after, essentially, they are chasing after a serial killer. It's just that the serial yeah. killer is using black magic instead of a weapon uh, mm-hmm. to do their their job that I, I think the silence of the lambs fits perfectly honestly mm-hmm. even down to the almost rural nature of the communities that these disappearances were taking place in yeah um someone is going to correct me now and say actually two of the victims in silence of the lambs were kidnapped from the middle of a city and i'm like i don't care look at where they <laughs> look at look at where he was living um you know he's in the middle of buttfuck kentucky um <laughs> like nobody knew where uh, who he was or where he was um so, yeah, I, I think that uh, that actually mm-hmm. is, uh, is is a pretty good uh, pick that, that you mentioned, uh, Andy. So I'm going to steal it because, because you have no need of it. <laughs> <laughs> I give it to you freely. Oh, thank you, sir.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listeners, you know um, what we think of this movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it and if it is available to you, give it a try I, I I assume there's people out there who thought well I don't know do we really need another Conjuring movie one that James Wan didn't direct and I say it's a good watch it's an entertaining movie so hmm. give it a go um, we have no plans for next week yet um, so as always if you want to know beforehand Keep an eye on our social media accounts where we will announce as soon as we made a decision what the topic for our next episode will be. And until then, thanks for listening. Keep watching horror movies. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. This has been a production of fanoff.com. And that's perfect.